Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks. We just recently got the New York Times bestseller on it, so it's been really fun to show the power of collaboration, the power of community, and the power of intention. All of the interviews have been archived on our show, so if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. You can also go to our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers, and please give us comments, thumbs up, anything that you would like to hear in the future because the whole premise of this show is to bring forth light and compassion and also moments and words of inspiration and wisdom. So thank you for joining me today. And I'm really excited to be interviewing Kathleen Gage who has been known as a no-nonsense, common-sense online marketing strategist. And recently she has a new blog that she's been working on called Passion for Thriving, which we'll talk more about. And as Kathleen and I were just talking, the last time I really spoke with her was in 2009 when we had another book come out called Overcomers. So welcome, Kathleen. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Thank you, Catherine. It is great to be here, and uh, congratulations on the New York Times bestseller. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, as, as and I know you've had several bestsellers, and it's it's really I don't know on this end it's it's wonderful again to know the power of coming together in unity to know that we can truly make a difference. You know, I think world. now more than ever, so. I think that's really a key message that uh, those individuals with a higher level of consciousness that are aware of that higher level of consciousness are really uh they're they're really making that message come out in a much bigger way because more than ever we need to come together and and just have that unity well and i'm excited about where we're going to go today because i i do have questions for you and want to be able to as we're speaking for the next 50 minutes or so to really be able to harness some of the wisdom that you've learned. And one thing I would like to ask before we get going is it's been said that finance and self-esteem, self-worth are directly connected with each other. And in lieu of things that have been going on for the last several years with the collapse of the economic spectrum and people really coming to their knees and and having money that is no longer there or resources. I wondered, with the work you do, what have you found to help people really stand up in the work they do in order to get what they know they're worth receiving? I hope I didn't ask too big of a question. No, that's actually a great question, and and I really do believe that um, finances are directly uh, connected with our our feeling of self-worth and our self-confidence, although we're taught that the, the two shouldn't be connected. But in reality, we're human beings with human thinking, and, you know, we try to uh, transcend that, but it's not always it's not always easy, and yet it it's really looking at the illusion of what we call abundance and financial success. Uh, because nowadays, if you really think about it, how often do you carry actual cash in your your pocket compared to in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is uh, it's energy moving around, and so it's really looking at how are you? What's your relationship to that energy? For example, today I did a webinar with a, a dear friend of mine who has an incredible program, and we we crushed it. I mean, we we just did really really well, and we had no way of knowing going into it what the result was going to be but one of the things that I know to be true is when we speak our truth and when we're really in alignment with what we believe to be true and serving our market I think that's a big key right there is don't lead with just 
having to focus on are you going to make money, but lead with am I going to serve and at what level. And the more that you serve and yet you're also clear that you're in business to make money, um, I, I know my own experience has been the money will follow. But there's certain systems you need to put in place. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting because I work with a lot of spiritual people. I have people that uh, communicate with angels. I have people who are remote healers. I have one, one client who's a um, LDS, which is Mormon, and she's a remote healer. She's got 12 kids, 38 or 39 grandkids, very, very ingrained in the Mormon tradition and Mormon religion, and yet she works with crystals, she works with chakras, she works with remote healing. And that's kind of uh, counterintuitive to everything that we believe about Mormons, at least, you know, that that's my mm-hmm. own understanding. And And she's one of the most incredible healers that I know. And what she does is she simply shows up and she does the work God put her here to do. So I, I think that if people could get out of their own way, really serve, and know that part of the service is running a business like a business so that you can do more of what you're here to do, a lot of that self-confidence and self-esteem uh, will raise up rather than go down. And and also not comparing ourselves with others uh, as far as like our insides with their outsides, thinking that everybody has it all figured out and we don't. I, I think we all have gone through that. And really looking at, okay, what am I here to do? And am I honoring what I'm here to do at the highest level possible? Oh, that's beautiful. And I know, especially in lieu of just a week ago today with the election, um, which created so much polarization even before the election, and now where we're at with so many folks being stunned, and um, having and collapsing emotionally on so many different levels. Now, especially, I know all of us need to stand up in the integrity of who we are to offer the surface, services that will help others. And so I love how you've been talking because this is a time to speak our authentic voice, just like the Mormon woman that you're having the honor of working with, that she's probably in some ways busted out of her own paradigm of being within the religion she's in to show the gifts that are given by the divine. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting about the election because, quite seriously, that didn't what, – what we experienced – when the results came in and all the polarization and the the anger and the frustration and in some cases violence, that didn't happen overnight. That's been building for quite some time. And as Reverend Michael Beckwith has said, um, he said, if it's hidden, you can't do anything about it. If it's in the light of day, then you can start healing and you can start taking action to make things better. And so for years, a lot of what we're we're experiencing now in, in the week since the election, what we're seeing on a daily basis, for years that was hidden. People did it behind closed doors or they did it behind the safety of their computer screen, Um, and yet it was there. Something like that doesn't just happen overnight. It's something that it's a dis-ease of our society and our world, and there's the opportunity for those people who are called to, to really in a very profound way, do their healing work. And that comes in many, many different ways. It doesn't have to be necessarily like my client who does remote healing. It can be in the writings that we do. It can be in the conversations like what we're having today to actually speak words of love towards those that we don't necessarily agree with. Because something I was taught many years ago is it's really easy to be grateful when everything is going our way. That's, that's easy. That's a no-brainer. Mm. And yet the true test is can you be grateful when everything is outwardly going against you? It's the same with loving another person. It's easy to love somebody who agrees with us. It's easy to love somebody and and care for uh, people that are on our side, so to speak. And yet there really is no separation, and the only separation is the separation that we give permission to. And so for me what I know to be true is praying for other people, praying for my enemy. That's one of the most profound things that you can do. It says it in the Bible. It says it in a lot of spiritual books that if you can actually send love to those people that you have the most difficulty with, what a gift that is. 
Wow. Yeah, and the work I do, I work with family systems constellation work, and part of our work is that history repeats itself without resolution. And this has been something, this wound has been pushed away, pushed away, as you're saying, for generations. And now now it's coming forward for us to have the deep resolution and to bow deeply to the gift and the sacrifice that um, that many people have placed themselves in. So it is yeah. a very hopeful time, and it's a time to take impeccable self-care. <laughs> so it's wonderful that you're out doing what you're doing. Um, thank you so much for that. Oh, so I have a question for you. One thing you mentioned was if only I could live my purpose and make great money at the same time, at the same time, life would be grand. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and um, what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that many of us want to live some kind of purpose and have significance in our life. And um, the reality is, is we have purpose and significance by simply being on this earth. I mean, it, it's already there, and all we have to do is recognize that. And yet, one of the keys that will allow us to do more of what we're here to do is to have the financial abundance. And again, it's it's all about energy. And we get caught up in outward appearances, you know, what our bank account balance is and, uh, you know, do we have stocks and bonds? Do we have life insurance? Do we have this, that, and the other? And all of that is very important, and yet it's our relationship to all of that. Because, you know, I, I remember a day when years and years and years ago, um, I actually haven't had a drink in 33 years because I have a severe allergy to alcohol. It makes me break out and falling out or falling down, and, I, and, and it makes me break out <laughs> in very strange behaviors. And so I, I made a conscious choice to let go of that and during the time that I was getting my life together because I actually ended up on the streets as a result of my drinking and and, uh, drug abuse and um, that was in my 20s and and early 30s and um, what what I know was that when I started cleaning my life up there were times that it appeared as if financially I had nothing and yet there were times where I had very little to my name, and I felt so abundant. And then I went through this period, if only I could make $50,000, everything would be okay. I got to a point I was making $50,000, and at some points that felt like, oh, I've got all the abundance I need, and then other times it's like, well, that's not enough. And so it really wasn't the state of condition, it was the state of mind. And then I went through the same thing to make $100,000, or $100,000, and then $200,000, and a quarter of a million, and, and it was like, when will it ever end? And it, it ends, the, the feeling of lack ends when we choose to, to end it. And it's also about having the financial wherewithal to do the things that we're here to do. For example, my wife and I, we actually donate to a lot of animal rescue. And um, that's one of our big passions. We have rescue animals Mm -hmm. at home, dogs. We have a cat. We have three horses, and most of them are rescues. We also donate to organizations. And with the financial abundance, we're able to do more of it. Without that, it's a feeling of lack. And, And so really it's about figuring out, okay, what... What is it that is my passion? Am I willing to honor that? Am I willing to step into that? Am I willing to take action towards that? And is there a way that I can monetize that also? And not everything has to be monetized. There's times that, you know, we we don't want to have a money exchange for what we do. And other times it's very, very appropriate because it's it has to do with what our value and our worth is also. Right. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, congratulations and thank you also for your candidness of talking about how you got to where you are now. And, and I think about the number of people right now who are struggling with certain types of distractions um, coming in the forms of drug and alcohol or computer addiction or whatever it may be, who do seem to be as their coping mechanism is no longer working yet. It's a habituation that they're doing. Um, and having these dreams, yet not being able to move out of it. And before we move on, wondered if you had any suggestion to those who know that they have a purpose, but then they're also kind of caught in that slippery slope of, for lack of another word, we call addiction or habit. 
You know, I would say look at who you're surrounding yourself with and hang out with the winners and whomever you define as a winner. And I know that when I was drinking and using, there was a certain type of person that I hung out with. And as I got clean and sober, I had to make different choices. And I I actually had a sponsor in a 12-step program who said, you need to change. There's only one thing you need to change in your life, and it's everything, which is your playmates, your playground, you know, the, the toys, you know, whatever the toys are like going to bars or whatever and it was hard for me to comprehend that at first it's like how can that be such a an important thing and yet looking back I see why it's so important it's the same with any kind of uh, behavior that we have that's not serving us I, I remember a young man that I was working with that he was doing some video work with me and nice young man and he had just gotten married, and I said, you know, I don't know why I'm compelled to tell you this, but I really, I really need to share some information. I said, be careful of the guys that you hang out with. If they don't respect their wives, if they mess around on their wives, if they have behaviors that are not in alignment with the vows that they made to marriage, you need to find different friends. He goes, oh, I would never hang out with people like that. I said, good. I said, I want you to remember that in case that ever changes because sometimes if we hang out with people who have certain behaviors, whatever the behavior is, we think that it's okay. We, we give ourselves permission to go against what our core values are. So really one of the first things that people can do is look at who you surround yourself with and look at what kind of information you're putting into your mind, body, and your soul. Um, Like what are you watching on TV? What are you reading? Uh, What kind of CDs are you listening to? Um, What are you giving yourself permission to do just this one time that you know is not really in alignment with the kind of life you want to live? Um, It could be somebody who has an addiction to using their credit card. Uh, I have a friend that years ago, somebody he, he had a real problem with using his credit card, and a friend of his said, here's what you need to do. Get a gallon of water, put your credit card inside that gallon of water, put it in the freezer and let it freeze, and if you want to use your credit card, take it out, let it defrost, and if you still feel the same way by the time it defrosts, then go ahead and use it. But chances are you're going to have a different feeling. And many times we just have to pause. Pause and give mm. give reflective thought to the action that we're going to take. And if we still feel the same way 24, 48, 72 hours later, then go ahead and do it. If not, let it go. Oh, that's that's such a wonderful reminder, um, especially with with having so much reactive responses right now to pause and to breathe and to pause and know that by doing that we can take a different take a different step because we're always at a choice point. So absolutely, thank you absolutely. for that. And I wondered, as, as I've been reading through what you do, you mentioned the word up-level. Can you talk a little bit about what that means in regards to what we've been talking about and what you're doing in your business? Absolutely. Up-leveling just means raising your own bar, and and I'll give you a great example of what up-leveling meant to me a few years ago. Um, As you know, during the time that we were working on the book Overcomers, uh, my father uh, was diagnosed with brain and lung cancer, and four weeks later he passed away, and for two years I was my mom's caretaker. Well, during that time I actually uh, gained a a fair amount of weight. Um, It wasn't fair, it was a lot. (laughs) And uh, I got <laughs> it was my heaviest weight lot. ever. I, I actually was very sluggish. I was extremely overweight. I was not feeling good about myself. I was using food as a way to stuff my emotions around what had happened with my dad and now taking care of my mom. And she passed away in 2011. But um, a a few years ago, I, it, one day I just kind of came to around the whole food issue and I thought, why am I doing this to myself? This is not the person I want to be. This is not the reflection I want to look at in the mirror. And it really wasn't so much the weight as it really was um, what the weight was doing to me, how it was weighing me down, how it was not letting me live a, a real juicy life and, and the life that I imagined that I could be living. 
And so I made a conscious choice to start exercising again, and I changed the way I was eating. I dropped about 50 pounds. I uh, actually started um, power walking. I participated in a marathon for my 61st birthday, and then that following year I decided to go from power walking to running and participated in another marathon, and now I do races on a regular basis. And that was up-leveling my life. That was giving myself permission to live the juiciest, most exciting life that I possibly could. Now, for some people, running is not a big issue for them. That's not what they want to do. That's not up-leveling their life. It's really for you to determine what would that mean? What would it mean to have the kind of life that you say you want, and what are you willing to do in order to get that? And for me, it just happens to be that every morning I love going out for a a run, whether it's a couple of miles, whether it's four or five miles, uh, and then doing races. It just, it, it, it really allows me to get clear in my thinking, clear in my soul, and that to me is what up-leveling is about. It's taking your, your life to the next level. And it's not always going to be and so, you know. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's a commitment that someone makes to themselves. And as you said, it's not always yes. easy, and that's when we really get to see at times what we're made of. Um, well, to be able you, to, to you, stick you to see, it. Yeah, and if you want to see what you're made of, train for a marathon and then do the marathon. And it's like, you know, the first mile you're going, oh, yeah, this is great. Boy, I trained good for it. At about mile five, you're going, now, what was I thinking? At about mile ten, it's like, oh, my God, yeah. I can't believe that I did this. And then, you know, you're going, it, it, it's really a, a, a whole process of revealing to yourself what your thought processes are, what your commitment is, uh, what you're, you're willing to do to stick with a commitment. Because, you know, we can make all the commitments in the world, Catherine, and yet our actions will convey what the truth is. We can say whatever we want to say. It's the actions that convey the truth. Well, I did. I ran a marathon in the early 2000s, and my metaphor is like life is like a marathon. Either you hit the wall at a mile, or you hit it at 26. Yes. <laughs> and how do you get yourself back up again? And yep. what is? Is it because you're wanting to prove to others? Is it for yourself? Are you not listening to what your own body or your own mind is telling you? So I think with up leveling, also what I'm hearing you say, not only is it the commitment commitment but it's also it's also being very realistic and also being um being to the point where we can be humble to maybe go in a different direction so be flexible as well is that correct absolutely yeah oh without a doubt you know i i think that if we don't give ourselves permission to be flexible when the evidence is such that what we were doing is no longer working and you know and that doesn't mean we failed it means that Something worked for a while, and, you know, I'll give you a great example. Um, the, the book launches that we used to do when we would get a whole bunch of people to participate and, uh, and they would give a lot of bonuses and some of the bonuses didn't match what the, the book was about. Um, that used to work. That no longer works. Now if you're going to give those bonus gifts, they've got to be in alignment with what the, the subject matter is. So what worked at one point because it was a novelty quit working and people had to adjust according to how the change took place. It's the same with with our mind, body, and spirit. There will be things that worked in our 20s, 30s, and 40s that moving into our 50s and 60s and 70s, it's not going to work like it used to. So we have to make adjustments, and it could be in, again, the relationships that we have. It can be in the kind of business that we've uh, created. When I first started my business back in 1994, I worked with a lot of corporate entities. I no longer do that. That's not who I am today. That's not who I choose to be. I was talking with somebody recently that was going to get me some speaking engagements in corporate environments. And I said, you know, that's not really my sweet spot and that's not my market, so I I really have to say no. And it's knowing when to say no, it's knowing when to walk away. And sometimes we learn that through trial and error. Like you said, you can hit the wall at one mile, you can hit the wall at 26 miles, but when you hit that wall, you've got to step back and go, okay, what needs to adjust, what needs to change? Wow. Well, why do you think it is, that people hesitate to play big? Fear. Fear of losing, Mm. fear of failure, and fear of success. 
Um, the, the whole thing about fear of success is the responsibility that comes with it, and then there's that fear that they're going to be judged. And I think the elections, was that was a great example of how people judge no matter what side of the fence you're on. And, you know, it, it's like it didn't matter if it was Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. There were people that loved them and people that did not like them. And so a lesser person on either level, a lesser person who didn't have the strength to keep going would have crumbled under that kind of pressure because that was a lot of pressure uh, for both candidates. And so I think the fear of being judged is huge, uh, which you will be. The more visible you become, the more you're going to be judged, no matter how how good you think you are at what you do or how good of a person you think you are, there will be people that don't like you just because they don't like something that you represent. Um, so I would say the the greatest reason would be that fear of being judged. And even if we get judged for something, we represent the beautiful four agreements of not taking it personal. Absolutely, absolutely. And the funny thing is that sometimes you get judged for things that you didn't even do. I, I remember this woman once, she wrote me, and she was really upset about um, a charge on her credit card for a product. And I said, well, what's the product? And she named it. I said, um, I'm sorry, but that's not even my product, and that's not our company name. And, I mean, she really she gave me the riot act. It was like, you did this, and you're such a scammer, and you're this and that. And I was like, wow, where's this anger coming from? And I said, let's let's evaluate this let's look at it and we found out it wasn't even me she was talking about and she ended up apologizing wow but you had the courage to stay there rather than retaliating yeah well it wasn't it wasn't well you may have been a little bit (laughs) at first i was like wait a a minute but and I got to witness that this morning at the post office. Uh, there was a, a woman who didn't – English was obviously not her first language, and something didn't get delivered that was supposed to get delivered in the uh, the woman working at the post office. I, I live in a very small town, and we have one person at a time who works at our post office. And during the Christmas rush, there's two. That's about the extent of it. And uh, <laughs> this woman was really upset that her package did not get delivered, and she felt like she had been ripped off. And the, the woman working for the post office was so kind and so gentle and she said i i understand your frustration and i really want to work with you on this help me to understand what i can do to resolve this for you and the woman was yelling at her and and really just being vicious and finally i interjected and i said you know she she really is trying to help you and if there's any way to resolve it i know she's going to find that way to resolve it and it was just interesting to watch the dynamics of the conversation where sometimes people are so attached to their position, even if you agree with them, they have a hard time believing that you're telling the truth. Right. And yeah. we've seen that, we see that you know, I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, we see that with kids. Uh, we, we definitely saw it with the election where people held on to their side of the, the position, whatever it was, and in some cases, I, I actually had this experience at church recently where um, there was something said about the election, which probably church wasn't the most appropriate time to say that, but somebody who was new to the church jumped up and, and really got upset with what was said, and was, it was as if this person was ready to fight from the beginning, from the minute they walked in the church, and all the way through the sermon, you could just feel their energy like they were holding on to their frustration and their anger, thinking that they were being attacked when in reality they weren't, but that was their belief. And so what we believe to be true, as you know, Catherine, if we believe something to be true, then we we will manifest the the outward evidence that that is the truth, regardless of whether or not it is. Yeah, it keeps documenting itself, and we become our own best perpetrators <laughs> and Absolutely. We, as we keep repeating. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what do you think, with in lieu of all that we've said with, with the reason people hesitate to play big, what do you think the biggest and the greatest benefit of playing full out is, just being the biggest and the best that you can be? 
Well, you know, first of all, it, it's realizing that being the biggest and best doesn't mean that you're going to be world famous. It just means that within your your circle of influence that you've got a juicy life, um, that you're passionate about mm-hmm. what you do, that you enjoy what you do. And I think that's the greatest benefit is that you have more enjoyment when you play full out and the the people that you can impact. It's, it's amazing how when we're willing to just show up and do what's in front of us, we can have an incredible impact on people Um, and often we don't even know the impact that we have so I would say some of the benefits are you're going to enjoy your life more you're going to uh, definitely have more fun and you're going to impact people in ways that you never even imagined Mm -hmm. yeah we certainly don't know how somebody responds to us when we look them in the eye or when we smile at them we have no idea something as subtle as that and it's, as simple like, as that. Absolutely. Like at the post office today, the woman working behind the counter was so kind, and she's just a really kind mm-hmm. person. And I was, I was in awe just watching this interaction, and I know that on some level that woman who thought she was being ripped off, hopefully she's going to think about that that dialogue and realize that, the the clerk was coming from a place of love. I mean, it was total love from her her position, which is not how many people see government workers. They they think that the government workers are the enemy again. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do is go into any situation not seeing people as the enemy, but rather as our brother or our sister. And I I mean that with yeah. sincerity because I think more than ever we need to really be conscientious of the energy we're putting out, how we're interacting with people, are we kind to people. Um, there there was a situation recently where an elderly woman was in a parking lot at a at a mall, and she looked genuinely lost. And I walked up to her and I said, have you lost your car? And she goes, yes, and I don't know where it is. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, your key has a little button on it that'll make the horn go off and I said why don't you press that and then we'll find your car and sure enough it was in the next row and I helped her to get to her car and it was just you know it took me two minutes it was no big deal and hopefully what I did for her she'll be able to extend and have the domino effect of being kind to somebody else pay it forward absolutely absolutely Well, I think so much of what we're seeing now is really the duality of the universe that we live in and the splitting off that can happen from recognizing our deep connectedness to one another and then coming into that space where we feel like it's all about us, the the inner focus or the self-centered part, especially when there's fear and the work to... Yeah, is to remember that we're all in this together with that well, beautiful for compassion that, yeah, for one of us. And if I don't if I don't put effort into being living in a conscious space, I can get into that place of it's all about me and you know, like, oh, the world is such an unfair place. I mean I, I am as um as at, at, at much risk as anybody else, and yet I do a lot of inner work on myself. I meditate on a regular basis. I pray. I journal. Uh, when I go to sleep at night, I've got a headset on with a CD, and right now I happen to be listening to uh, Abraham, and you know I, I listen to mm. uh, I listen to the works of James Twyman. I listen to Wayne Dyer. I listen to Marianne Williamson. I I do what I can. I listen to Joyce Meyer to um, Deepak Chopra. I mean. You name it, I've probably listened to the person. And I I try to feed my mind with really good information to remind me of what the truth is. Because left to my own devices, I will lie to myself. And I'll make something up that has nothing to do with reality. And and this reflects in our businesses, too. You know, it's not just about our personal lives, but it reflects, it impacts every area of our life. Which brings me into the the next question for you is, as we learn to play full out, how does this all connect with life purpose? If if we're playing full out, is it because we can step more deeply into what our life purpose is, or how does it connect with that? You know, I would say it it definitely would connect more deeply with life purpose because it's it's like with some of the animal rescue stuff that I do. I actually... um, 
this is probably one of the best examples I can give of I was just doing what I was called to do. We had, um, we had this thing show up at our doorstep one day, and by thing, it really looked like a thing. We couldn't tell what it is. It was this little tiny dog that uh, it was a rainy day and was completely matted, stunk to high heaven, was very, it couldn't hardly walk. And I mean, this thing was on death's door. And so we took it to the vet, and it turns out that it was a breeder Shih Tzu, toy Shih Tzu dog, who probably at the time was about 10 to 12 years old, had tumors all over its belly, had rotten teeth, had infections in its eye, ears were infected, and the vet said, let us do some blood work and see what what the health is. And uh, they did the blood work, came out that... uh, all things considered, this dog was actually in relatively good shape. And the vet said, you know, if you remove the tumors, you probably will give this dog a quality of life, whether it be for six months, for a year, we don't know how long. Left without doing that, the dog will probably suffer and not live very long. And so we made a decision, and Mm. it was going to be several thousand dollars to do this. We made a decision to go ahead and get the surgery. And then I was doing a run one day, and it came to me that why don't I do a uh, crowdfunding on this? Why don't I put it out to my community, and I'll create a product, and I'll, um, I'll raise some money to pay for the, the surgery. And all the proceeds will go to the surgery for this dog, and the rest will go to a nonprofit if we happen to raise more. And sure enough, what happened was uh, we we actually raised more than enough for it took two surgeries. We had dental work done. We had a whole bunch of stuff done. And as a result, somebody in the pet industry who's been on my list for quite some time said, you know, I, I've been following what you're doing with the, the dog's name is Delaney. I've been following what you're doing with Delaney, <laughs> and I would love for you to come out and speak at our conference. And I said, well, the pet industry isn't my, my space that I work in. And she goes, no, but you know how to make money online, and that's what our people need to learn how to do. Would you be willing to come out and do uh, a breakout session? I'm like, okay. Well, that led to another <laughs> opportunity where I was the keynoter. That led to another opportunity. That led to another one. I have spoken at several industry-specific to the pet industry conferences. I'm the keynoter next year at the largest animal blogger conference in the world uh, in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina. I have had clients hire me as a result of this. I've made well over six figures as a result of just doing that one thing I was called to do. And never in my wildest dreams did I think or even plan that it would turn out like this. I just answered a calling. So when you do your life's purpose and you show up and you trust, see, that's the big thing. It's like don't go into contraction and go, oh, my gosh, where are we going to get the money and how is this going to happen? Ask a better question. The better question is, what do we need to do to make this happen? And I kept asking myself that. Delaney's surgeries, all told, were, were well over $5,000, well over five. And all of that was taken care of. I created a brand-new product that launched a whole new product line in my business. That opened up a lot of opportunity. I didn't plan it that way. I didn't sit there with my whiteboard and go, okay, Delaney came to us. She's sick. We need to do this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. I just did what I, what I needed to do. Wow, and being of service to a precious little innocent critter that was um, <laughs> that was beneficial enough to show up on your door. Which, by the way, she's still up. alive. That was two and a half years ago. She's still alive. She's as demanding as ever. She's the most entitled little <laughs> dog I have. Uh, we, we actually had to get a wheelchair for her because she had had a dislocated hip when she came to us that apparently had healed that way, and we think she had been in a cage all her life because she was lopsided on one side. Now she walks relatively okay, but on longer walks, she needs the assistance of a wheelchair. So, I mean, you know, that, that little girl is so spoiled. She has more clothes than I do. She has the best food. And, you know, God bless her. God bless her. She's a little angel. And I bet she gives you as many licks as you'll let her give you. <laughs> she does. She does. And sometimes more than I want. <laughs> so but it she's sounds actually, like she's... with all that. Go ahead. She's what? No, I she's love, blind, I love actually. dogs. So what... Oh, she's blind. Wow. Yeah, she's, uh, wow. She, she has a little bit of vision in one eye, but it's more, uh, more shadows than anything. We can just tell, by the way, that she has fear of going down steps and everything, so we have to carry her. And she's um, almost completely deaf, 
and uh, her her mm-hmm. hearing has declined rapidly in the last probably six months. But God bless her; she's a, just a little angel. Wow! Well, yeah. I'm blessed that she's in your life. So, from what I'm hearing from you, I I get a lot of delight out of what you're doing, and with that, wondering what your favorite pastime is when you're not working. I know animal rescue is one thing, but what else? You, do you know, not really working. my favorite pastime is running, and I'm not a fast runner, but I love running, and um, I just enjoy it because it helps me to really be in that space of gratitude. It helps me to just appreciate what's around me, and we, we live in a very rural community in Oregon, and, and so um, there's not a lot of traffic here. We're near the Willamette River. Uh, when I run, I see cows and horses and sheep and chicken, and uh, you know, so it, it's it's just a real time of reflection, so I would say that's one of my favorite pastimes. Another favorite pastime I have is playing cards. I, I love to play a good game of cards, and there's a new game I learned called Sorry, and uh, it's it's just a oh. fun board game. Yeah, so, it, you know, I, I like to get together with friends and family and just spend quality time. Like tonight we're going to uh, watch the new Dory movie, or Dora, or Dory, whatever, the one with Ellen. Oh, and, Dory uh, with Ellen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're having a family gathering and we're going to watch that movie, you know, so those are some of the things I enjoy doing when I'm not working. So really kind of disengaging and being with those that you love, being able to have full on attention with them and to have that child in some ways come out. Absolutely. And you know, after losing both my parents, um, the family that I do have left and, and with Karen's family, um, I, I really value the time that we have while people are still around because you never know from day to day mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I mean, quite seriously, we can, we can intellectualize that, but in our heart of hearts, it's like really understanding that today is the only day that we have to do the things that we're here to do, to express the love that we have, and to live a really quality life and have a really good time doing it. Because life is supposed to be fun, as Abraham would always say. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so what is the connection then of playing, um, uh, between playing full out and self-care? You've kind of pulled some things together, but I want to just kind of pull it together and, and see what you feel is the connection. Well, I, I would say that when we take care of ourselves, and again, for each person, you know what that is. Um, you know, it, it could be the way you eat. It could be the sleep you get, the exercise you do, uh, the extra weight that you carry around. Is it serving you? If it is, great. If it's not, then let it go. Um, but when we really take care of ourselves and, you know, if we need a massage, go get the massage, um, we are able to do more of what we're here to do. I know that, you know, after I started exercising and I dropped the excess weight and I started eating really healthy, I don't eat processed sugar anymore. And I'm, I'm not a fanatic about the way I eat, but I am very conscientious about what I put into my body. And, you know, 62 and a half years on this earth, you start figuring a few things out. And I, I know that if there's there's a certain action I take, there's going to be a result from that action. And so if I put garbage food in my body, I get garbage results and I have lower energy. I'm not as focused or clear. And periodically I actually go through uh, cleanses and detoxes. I'm in the middle of one right now that I started a few days ago, and it's not a real harsh one, but it's just to have an awareness of what I'm putting into my body, and how unconscious we can become around what we eat. Um, And to also look at, okay, I made a commitment. Am I willing to stick to that commitment? And yesterday is a great example. There was something that I was really craving, and it's a protein bar. And I was just like craving it like crazy. And I had this whole dialogue going on in my head. I actually blogged about it. Like one part of me was going, you know, it's just one power bar. It won't make that much difference. And my other side is saying, oh, yes, it will make that much difference. You made a commitment. And the other side is saying, well, you could start tomorrow. And the other side is like, no, no, you can't. And so I'm I'm watching this dialogue going on. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And when we put ourselves through certain regimes, if you will, that allow us to really notice our behaviors, it's like with mm-hmm. marathon training. You really get to recognize what's serving you and what's no longer serving you, but it's really giving yourself permission to take yourself to that level of like, okay, 
am I willing to to notice these things? It's like silent meditations do that. Uh, retreats do that where you're, you know, for a day maybe you go on a, uh, a retreat with other people that you're doing certain awareness exercises just to become fully aware of what your contribution is and what, um, what you're doing that doesn't serve you and doesn't contribute to your well-being. But when you take care of yourself, then you are able to give 100% to what you're doing. And it's so much, and so many listeners have heard me say this over and over again, it is such an inside job. And how oh, yes. we have the, du- the duality, as you were talking about, I'm laughing with that dialogue, and how oftentimes it'll show up in our outside world as we look outside our lens. We'll see that duality playing in itself, out itself. Um, so it's really, it's quite fascinating how it is all about us, the good news and the bad news is, is it's all about us <laughs> and how then do we remember that everything that comes into our awareness is for our highest good, even if we define it as not being that way. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so as we begin to, we still have 10 minutes or so, but I, I wondered, you know, as we kind of pull together everything that we've talked about which has been a lot. I'm, I'm really grateful for all your insights and wisdom that you shared in lieu of where many people may be now. And I don't mean to, to talk from a we perspective, but just from folks I've met who may be struggling with what's happened in lieu of the election, who really want to get their work out in the world, who may be a bit compromised in their self-esteem, you know, money's an issue, addiction or whatever. Just, I would love to just get your feedback on um, different tips or, or strategies or thoughts you could give to folks who yeah, are absolutely. like knowing they need to change. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you've got to start where you're at and realize that you, you will work into where you need to be and yet take action on a daily basis because a lot of times people say, well, um, someday I'll write that book. It's like start the book today because it's the whole process of getting to an end result that creates the person that we are. And so many people say that um, everything happens for a reason, but then when something happens, they go, why did that happen? Well, everything happens for a reason, and for many people, it's the perfect opportunity. I have one one client who uh, works with angels, and at first she was very distraught over the election results, and I said, what an opportunity for you to really do your work out in the world. And, and she meditated on it, and she came back to me, and she goes, you know, you're right. She goes, I never thought that I would thank the the president-elect for giving me the the opportunity to do my life's work in a bigger way. It's like, well, there you go. So really it's a matter of not using the current circumstances, whatever they may be, as the reason not to do your life's work. It's using it as the reason why you must do your life's work. And to realize that it's the process of getting to the end result, that journey there that will create you to be the person you are meant to be. And so if you're always waiting for circumstances to be perfect, they're never going to be perfect. Uh, Some of my greatest successes that I've had in business came as a result of some of my biggest mess-ups. Like the, the spiritual awareness that I have today and the spiritual life that I live, and I live it day in and day out, it came as a direct result of hitting just a massively dark, dark space in my life from drugs and alcohol. I am forever grateful that I got to that, that hellhole, if you will, that took me to the depths of despair so that when I came out of that, I could look at that and say, what a gift my life is, and every day value my life as a true gift. And to be able to work with other people that might be going through the same thing on many different levels. So don't wait for circumstances to be perfect. Start right where you're at to do what you're called to do. If you say, I want to be a writer, then start writing. Blog, write articles, do whatever you need to do, but put your information out there. If you say you want to be a speaker, great. Start a, a podcast show and even if one person shows up if you just keep showing up and you do the footwork 
it's all going to open up for you. But it's really having a level of integrity to give it 100% and not have one toe in the future and one toe in the past because there are certain things that happen to the present when you do that. And, and it's just you're not living fully. And, and so it's really staying as present in the moment as you can. But planning for a really good future because you do have to have plans. I have whiteboards in my office. I have calendars, wall calendars in my office. I have flip charts with plans on it. I map things out, but I'm not attached to it. If I need to make changes, I will make changes. And, mm-hmm. and trust me, and that came we... from a lot of years. Uh, you know, that's not some kind of wisdom that I was born with. I, it came from a lot of years of holding on until there were like scratches on the wall of like, oh, my gosh, when, am, <laughs> when, when is it all going to work out? And when I finally let go and I surrendered to something that was beyond me, that's when things started working out. And that can be so counterintuitive when one mm-hmm. is scrambling just to survive, for lack of another word, Absolutely. to give that, that final release. And I've often, I've often thought, you know, if we don't know what is happening in the future, why not go for the best gusto? Um, Absolutely. Why not go for the very best? Um, wow. Well, this has, been, this has been so rich. I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to to be with us today. Is there anything else that you would like to leave us with? I know there's some contact information. Um, well, but wondered if there all, was wanna, any. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say thank you for inviting me here and thank you to the people listening in and those that will listen to the, the replay and uh, the download. Um, I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate all that you're doing to get some good information out to uh, as many people as possible. And I would say, you know, wake up each day and really look for what's working in your life. And if your mind says nothing's working, are your legs working? Are your arms working? Are your eyes working? And really get down to the basics of life because when you can really express gratitude for what you have, there's more that comes into your life that you have to be grateful for. So it's really a matter of a grateful heart can't be a hateful heart. And so with all that's been happening in the world, the election results, whatever side of the fence you reside on with that, give thanks that it happen the way it did because it's an unknown it's definitely an unknown and that means that there's so much opportunity out there oh so beautiful thank you and if folks want to get a hold of you you have several sites um i do i do i'm a little uh compulsive obsessive when it comes to <laughs> but uh, i've been i've been doing this internet thing for a long time but my main website is powerupforprofits.com that's powerupforprofits.com and my new blog is passion for thriving and that's for women of a certain age who want to live their purpose so passion for thriving is the new blog and uh-huh. on there is all my contact information so i think those two would be uh the best vehicles to reach me well, thank you. And after so many years have passed, it's so wonderful and so inspiring, Kathleen, to see where you are in your life and the humility and also the candidness um, that you, you show up. So bless you for all that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, dear listeners, for listening in. Um, next week is November 22nd, and Sudabe <clears throat> Mokre, Mokro, I probably tortured her name, but um, anyway, she's she's an RN who will, who's an author of Angel Nightingale, an inspiring and heartwarming book, chock full of stories of faith, courage, and healing with angels. So please join me next week. If you're not able to, you can go ahead and go on to blog talk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. And for thank you for the continual listening for those who have been listening in religiously. And this is truly a time for all of us to have the grace and the humility and the gentleness to be with each other and to know that we're all doing the very best we can. So with that, I send you love, blessings, and an open, gracious heart. Take good care. Thank you, Kathleen. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye.